Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store over at etsy.com slash shop slash beyondblathers to see the stickers and postcards we have for sale. And tell your friends about us. So it's been a while since we've done a dinosaur. Yeah, I love doing the dinosaur episodes. It's so fun to read about them. And today we're doing Stegosaurus, which is just a classic dinosaur. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for this one. I also wanted to let our audience know that Adele Pentland, who is a friend of the podcast, has started her own podcast called Pals in Paleo. And uh, Adele is just such a wonderful, bubbly brilliant human and I really recommend everyone go listen to it. Her first episode is on Anomalocaris, which is a creature we've covered on this show and it's such a weird creature. It's just so much fun to listen to what she has to say and I just, ugh, I was so excited to listen to the entire thing and really you got to go check it out and you can follow Pals and Paleo on Instagram at pals in paleo, no spaces, no underscores or anything. So please do check that out. It's really exciting to see uh, some more science podcasts on the scene. Yeah, I'm super excited about Adele's podcast. And if you haven't listened to our episode with Adele, I would definitely recommend it. It was such a fun time. So go back in the archives and find that. But yeah, today we're doing the Stegosaurus. Before we get into it, let's see what Blathers has to say. So if you bring a Stegosaurus fossil to Blathers, he'll say, You can't talk about Stegosaurus without talking about the distinctive diamond-shaped plates on its back. These plates, while made out of bone, were not actually connected to the animal's skeleton. They simply grew out from the skin. Remarkably enough, they were up to two feet tall and similarly wide. It's not clear exactly how the plates were arranged or what they were for. Yet more mysteries of the ancients. Wow, I did not know that. That's so interesting. Yeah, it is. It's a really cool story. I'm excited to tell it. I mean, Stegosaurus is one of those dinosaurs that I would think most people know just off the top of their head. Like, I have so many memories of, like, learning about this dinosaur as a kid and having Stegosaurus toys and whatnot. And we probably are all thinking of like the same thing when we hear the name Stegosaurus. It's a plant-eating or herbivorous dinosaur. It's got this sort of small pointy head with a beak on the end. It's got this broad body and a long tail with spikes on the end. And it walks around on four legs with these huge diamond-shaped plates along its back. They're so cool. And like, I think we get really used to seeing pictures of this dinosaur, but like, can you imagine if there was something alive today that had these like crazy spikes on its back? Like, it is truly so unique. Yeah, they're really beautiful and yeah, very unique. Yeah, so the funny thing is though with Stegosaurus, I mean really with so many dinosaurs, the image of Stegosaurus has changed over time and it's not quite as dramatic as like the change of the iguanodon over time as we learned about it because it started out in such a like strange way 
we had such a weird idea of what a guanodon looked like versus what we know about it now. But I think it's still a pretty interesting transformation and an interesting story. So Stegosaurus was among a number of other famous discoveries by Othniel Charles March. I always want to say March. It's Marsh. Othniel Charles Marsh in the 1800s. So paleontology fans and listeners of our show may already recognize his name, but for those who do not, Charles Marsh was a professor of paleontology during the sort of mid-1800s and was known for his contributions to paleontology and his very fierce dinosaur hunting competition with Edward Drinker Cope. This competition was nicknamed the Bone Wars and involved both Cope and Marsh resorting to extreme and sometimes even somewhat criminal behaviors to undermine one another's paleontological successes. Marsh described for Western science the first pterosaur fossils of North America, as well as Triceratops, Ornithomimus, Allosaurus, and Brontosaurus, among many, many other prehistoric creatures. So this guy, super famous. I didn't know that his first name was Othniel and that Edward Cope's middle name was Drinker. It's weird to hear their full yeah. names. <laughs> it's so weird because most people just call them like Marsh and Cope or like Edward Cope yeah. and Charles Marsh. But their, their full names are so excellent and old-timey. I like to say them even though they're like kind of a tongue twister. Yeah, bring back Othniel as a yeah. name. <laughs> what the we'll heck? make it trending. <laughs> Othniel. Yeah, like what? Where is that from? It would just become yeah. Neil. <laughs> Neil yeah. Marsh is less cool sounding than Othniel Charles Marsh. It's so official sounding. So the first named species of Stegosaurus, Stegosaurus armatus, was discovered in Colorado in the late Jurassic Morrison Formation, and it was announced to the world by Marsh in 1877. Funnily enough, a year later, Edward Drinker Cope announced that he too had found a dinosaur that he thought was likely related to the theropod Megalosaurus, and he thought this because he had a femur and teeth that he found with the rest of the skeleton that looked a lot like Megalosaurus. But it turns out that this skeleton he found was also a stegosaurid, and he'd actually just mixed up a bunch of fossils with the stegosaurid, and the femur and the tooth were actually from uh, a theropod allosaur nearby, so he made a bit of a mistake. But he called this thing Hypsorophus discursus. Uh, I hope I said that right. <laughs> and now while that genus isn't really accepted, it is kind of funny that like he like found a, a stegosaurus pretty quickly after Marsh. And then even another year after this, Marsh named another species Stegosaurus ungulatus. So there were a lot of stegosaurus discoveries going on around this time. Now, as we talk about what exactly he found and the fossils of Stegosaurus. I wanted to ask you, Sophia, if you've ever heard the idea that Stegosaurus was like really dumb or like just not a very smart animal. Is this something that you have also heard? I think so, like in the context of them having a really small head and brain. Yeah, so I remember that when I was a kid, there was like in every dinosaur book, they'd always be like, Stegosaurus like has a small brain, isn't very smart. They have like a tiny little walnut brain. And in reality, like their brain is a little bit bigger than that. It's about the size of a dog's brain. But for an animal that is nearly the length of a school bus and weighed anywhere from like one to three tons, 
yeah, that's a pretty small brain comparatively. So what happened was when Marsh saw this very tiny brain case, he went, okay, this Stegosaurus is obviously really dumb, dumber than Edward Drinker Cope. And that's not a quote, but I'm (laughs) sure he made that joke. Marsh also noticed that Stegosaurus had this gap in its skeleton near its tail, like in the pelvis area. And he ended up theorizing that Stegosaurus had a small brain in its head because, or maybe not because, but it also had a secondary mental capacity in that gap in the pelvis. So he thought that Stegosaurus had a second brain and that brain would help to control the neural activity of the tail. That's very creative. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it seems a little bit ridiculous now because that's kind of the most bizarre adaptation I can really think of for a vertebrate. (laughs) But, you know, the idea has carried through as a myth about Stegosaurus that people hear even today, I guess, is very compelling for someone. And it really didn't help. There's like this scene in Pacific Rim of all movies where Charlie Day like suggests that dinosaurs had two brains. It's a very funny scene and I really can't take Charlie Day seriously. I think in anything now it's it's very <laughs> funny to watch. Anyway, of course, it's not true The the gap itself isn't even really unique to Stegosaurus. It's just like a dinosaur thing, that gap when the animal is alive likely contains glycogen energy stores. And it just so happens that Marsh noticed this gap in Stegosaurus first, which is sort of why he was like, ah, oh, must be a Stegosaurus thing. So over time, mystery really followed Stegosaurus around. Paleontologists were wondering how it held its plates along the back. Like, where did the plates go? The plates are also called scutes. So I might call them scutes at some point. Scutes is a very funny word. Some people pronounce it scoots. Anyway, that's the same word. (laughs) (laughs) So initially Marsh thought, okay, maybe Stegosaurus was like a big turtle and the plates laid flat on its body. But then after a little while, he was thinking, okay, well, I found this other specimen. It looks like they would have pointed in different directions. Maybe it was more like a giant pangolin and it could have gone like hauled itself up onto its back legs and foraged from trees. I actually don't think this this is like the worst idea if you saw a skeleton of a spinosaurus, especially because its face looks almost a little pangolin-like. So I understand where Marsh was yeah. going here. Eventually, some more paleontologists were thinking about it. And at this point, we kind of knew, okay, the scoots are going to be on their back near the vertebrae, but how were they held? Were they straight up? Were they in a straight line, like one at a time? Did they sort of like, were they sort of symmetrical? Were they offset? How were these things laid across the body? So there was some debate about that. Over time, as more specimens were discovered, we finally determined that the scutes were in a line along the vertebrae and they were sort of, I guess they were in two lines and they were sort of slightly offset from one another. It's a little hard to describe, but if you saw a picture, you would understand what I mean. No, paleontologists had another issue with figuring out exactly how Stegosaurus looked, and that was that none of the specimens of Stegosaurus were all that complete. They were missing just really big chunks of the animal. So until very recently, Stegosaurus representations were quite a mismatch of different specimens from around the world. 
The trouble with this is that not every stegosaurus, even in the same species, necessarily looks exactly the same. Maybe the bones were preserved in a way where they're mushed in one specimen and they're just kind of in a weird shape. Maybe in another individual, they're a female versus a male. So we've got might have some differences in the sexes there. One might be younger and have different bone structure as a juvenile versus an adult. Or you might just happen upon an individual that just has a little bit of physical variation, much like, you know, we do as humans. So what they would do is take all of these different individuals and sort of put them together as well as they could to create a full picture of the dinosaur. And of course, they're not just doing this willy-nilly. Paleontologists will compare a, what this, this would be called a composite. So they would compare the composite to relatives of stegosaurus where we have more complete specimens and they could go, okay, this seems like kind of right. Uh, and they'll do all sorts of math and biomechanics to figure this out. But, you know, you still have the issue of maybe the proportions are slightly off and not quite correct. So finally, we got an update to how Stegosaurus actually looks really quite recently from a published paper in 2015 with authors Susanna Rose Maidment, Dr. Charlotte Brassy, and Professor Paul Barrett. Now, this specimen is named Sophie. Sophie is a stegosaurus who lived in Wyoming during the Jurassic period about 150 million years ago. And she was excavated on private land and sold to the London Natural History Museum after extensive negotiations. So this was a specimen that was effectively for sale. They actually haven't disclosed Sophie's cost at the request of the private hedge fund manager who provided most of the funds to purchase Sophie. Sophie's actually named after that hedge fund manager's daughter. And it wasn't just him who donated. Uh, there were also 69 private donors who donated for her acquisition. Kind of a crazy thing. It's funny because most of the articles about this specimen really brushed over how she was acquired. And I'm like, this is such an interesting story. Like I find the private market of dinosaurs just like a very fascinating thing, but that was the information I was able to get about that. She was actually named after me. Yes. I kept writing Sophia, actually, and I was like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> I am a stegosaurus who lived in Wyoming 150 million years ago. <laughs> a very happy little stegosaurus. I am a ghost. That unfortunately died kind of small young, brain. actually. <laughs> actually, a bit yeah. of a tragic figure. Yeah, uh, Sophie wasn't actually fully an adult, they think. They think that the specimen was like kind of a sub-adult, like not quite a little baby stegosaurus, but definitely not full grown. But what's so exciting about this particular specimen is that Sophie has 85% of her skeleton. She's really, really complete compared to other stegosaurus specimens. So they've been able to learn a lot about her. One of the better specimens from way back when was in 1885. Same species as Sophie, Stegosaurus stenops, was found and described by Marsh. And this was really the specimen that gave Stegosaurus its initial shape because it included the skull and showed more clearly where those scoots were meant to go on the back. But even some of those old specimens that were relatively complete weren't always prepared in such a way where they could get well-scanned 3D models of these animals today. So Sophie's bones were all properly scanned and 
they are even available in like a 3D PDF online for free, which is super cool. So uh, definitely check that out if you are interested. I imagine I'll be using it for the paleo art for this episode because that's kind of useful. But anyway, back to it. Uh, Sophie's bones really can tell us a lot about the shapes of Stegosaurus and sort of those fine details of the posture. Before, we used to think that they had a pretty dramatic difference in size between the re- the rear legs and the front legs, that the rear legs looked really, really long in comparison to the front legs. But we're thinking now that that difference isn't quite so dramatic. They've also been able to adjust the length of the neck and torso. And what we're seeing now is before, we used to think Stegosaurus was really dramatically different from a lot of the other Stegosaurids, so the Stegosaurus relatives. But it seems now that they weren't quite so wildly different in shape from all of their relatives. Wow, what an amazing story. I just always love the the discovery, like mystery stories around the fossils and like trying to kind of put the pieces together and figure out what these animals looked like. Yeah, it's so fun. Like, I feel like I could read about it for a long time and I wish I could just like talk to paleontology historians or something and just learn more about it because I think it's such a great story and like I've skipped so much totally. like there there are other little details out there in papers about the, the the different specimens that were found and so you alluded to this that there are multiple species of stegosaurus how many species are we talking about Within the Stegosaurus genus, so a reminder again, Stegosaurus is a genus name. There's about three species within that genus currently. So Stegosaurus armatus, the species that Marsh first named, is now considered a dubious species, uh, which I think is such a funny name. So it's been relegated from its type specimen status, so the specimen that defines the genus. And it was removed from that position because we don't really know if it's a proper species. It's now been replaced by Stegosaurus stenops, which is what Sophie the Stegosaurus is. And I mentioned before that Stegosaurus have some relatives. Basically, there's a bunch of Stegosaurids, so not Stegosaurus, but Ids. (laughs) And these are dinosaurs within the Stegosauria group, which includes two families, Stegosauridae, Lots of fun little endings to these words. And then also family Yngosauridae, which are sort of smaller stegosaurids. The other stegosaurids don't have those flat plates on their back. Instead, they have spikes. But otherwise, they look pretty similar, apart from the fact that their heads also tend to be larger than stegosaurus. And they do have slightly different body proportions. So I thought that was kind of cool. Looking at photos of the other stegosaurids, I didn't really realize that there were such spiky stegosaurus out there, or I guess stegosaurids. So that was a fun little Google search. The other thing that they have in common is their fantastic spiky tail, which I have yet to really talk about. This spiky feature on their tail is called a phagomizer. Sophia, do you happen to know what this is in reference to? I don't. So... I first encountered this word because I used to read my dad's comics. They're comics called The Far Side by Gary Larson. If you saw photos of them, you might be familiar with them. I don't know if this is like a really dated reference now for like kids. I feel like we had to have been the last generation to like (laughs) really know these comics. 
Yeah. But I re- I used to really like them. They're mostly like one panel comics. And this particular comment, a comic that this is in reference to was also single panel. And it shows these cavemen staring at a slideshow image of like the tail of a stegosaurus. And the teacher caveman is saying, now this is called a thagomizer named after the late Thag Simmons. It's just really dumb, but it's really funny because <laughs> now this term thagomizer is like a regularly accepted and used term now in paleontology. And Gary Larson, he's not a paleontologist. He's a comic book artist and he jokingly came up with it. But now it is regularly in use because it is an excellent word. I love that. That's so cool. And I do remember the far side, but I I don't remember that comic panel. You'll have to check it out. Maybe we can post it on our Instagram story. The good old thagomizer. Yeah. I think it is very descriptive of what it looks like, though. And did the Stegosaurus use it as a weapon? Yeah. This is one of the few instances, it seems, where, like, it looks like what it actually does. We're pretty confident that this tail was a weapon. The tail is quite flexible, or at least we think it was quite flexible based on biomechanics. So it really looks like it could have thrown its tail around, whipped those spikes. The spikes were also specifically pointed to the side. So like they were like ready to attack. And there's even fossil evidence of an allosaurus that appears to have been bludgeoned in the groin with a thagomizer. So that would have got infected and likely was what killed that particular allosaurus. So very unpleasant way to go, especially seeing as those spikes could be longer than those enormous backplates. So these spikes are not like little teeny spikes. They're huge and they're covered in a horny sheath. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense, especially for an herbivore. Yeah, I feel like if I was a herbivore, I'd want, maybe I'd want to be a stegosaurus because even if you don't have a very big brain, that those are some pretty <laughs> good defenses. Like, pretty good. Yeah. Even if they don't have a brain in their back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the other thing I should mention is, like, the idea that Stegosaurus was, like, automatically dumb because of its brain size. I'm going to defend Stegosaurus here. Doesn't mean Stegosaurus was dumb. Uh, It's actually really hard to define intelligence by brain size. So we can't actually say with confidence that this was, like, not a very intelligent animal because we just don't know. We don't know that for sure. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the enormous backplates. What were the scoots used for? Yeah, as Blathers says, we don't really know. It's still a mystery. Some people have thought, okay, maybe it was for defense, but that was sort of thrown out. One of the main ideas that has been proposed is that the scoots were for thermoregulation. So to explain this, I use like elephants as an example. They have huge ears and those ears are used for thermoregulation. When you're a big animal, you produce a lot of heat and it actually becomes a major concern to keep yourself cool. And so in the case of elephants, they have these very thin, large ears, big surface area, and they have veins running through those ears. So when they flap their ears, they're cooling the blood as it circulates through their ears and then it goes through the rest of their body and cools them down. So that's one of the ways that they thermoregulate using their ears. But the idea is that Stegosaurus could have done a similar thing. They could have had blood vessels in those large surface area scoots. But this doesn't really have a lot of clear support and evidence for it. 
So this is pretty strongly debated, especially if you look at their relatives, which live in a similar habitat, have a similar body plan, including some sort of dramatic ornamentation on their back with those spikes. So it's kind of weird that Stegosaurus have the plates and all the other Stegosaurids don't. They just have spikes because you would think if they're using it for thermoregulation and that's helping them out a lot that the other Stegosaurids would have those. Uh, So that's one of the reasons that they aren't super sure about thermoregulation as well as some physical evidence is lacking. But what seems to be the most supported purpose of the scoots is actually communication and display with other Stegosaurus. So basically they have it to look cool and to impress mates. Which I think would be the best explanation if it weren't for this other really goofy idea that I heard about from the YouTube channel, Your Dinosaurs Are Wrong. They were talking about this really wacky, like just wackadoodle idea that came from this guy called Dr. Baleo in Utah. And he suggested that maybe the Stegosaurus scoots, and you know, this is back in like the 1800s, this is forever ago. He thought, (laughs) he was like, maybe the scoots were actually horizontal, like they stuck up from the vertebrae and were flat, and they acted as airfoils. And the author Edgar Rice Burroughs, who wrote Tarzan and John Carter of Mars, wrote about this idea and how Stegosaurus could maybe have jumped from cliffs and glided down just like the birds that came after them. And I love that idea. It's so silly. (laughs) I am fully for it. They really were ancestors of blathers. Yeah. Who would have thought? They look so different. That's such a funny, cute idea. (laughs) I know. It it really, it cracked me up. I had to include that. So that's the Stegosaurus. I think we should all just appreciate how weird-looking Stegosaurus is. And if you're at the London Natural History Museum... I hope you get to see Sophie because she's on display there. And I certainly would like to see this specimen. I think it's pretty exciting. But I wish you all a sweet dream tonight. May may you dream of flying stegosaurids gliding off cliffs. That's what I want to leave you with. That's beautiful. I love the way you did this episode and like told this story. I really feel like I went on a journey with the stegosaurs and the bone wars and all of that. And yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad we're um, doing dinosaurs again. Yeah, it's lots of fun. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks so much everyone for tuning in. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Beyond Blathers and check out our TikTok at Beyond underscore Blathers. And don't forget to take a look at our shop at etsy.com slash shop slash Beyond Blathers. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!